Hello everyone, welcome to my show Career Startup Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian entrepreneurs, innovators, C-suite executives and allies who provide candid insights from the personal journey to inspire you. And this is your host Priyanka Komla and I'm here with you today on our 85th episode of Career Startup Leadership Podcast. And as a quick reminder, do subscribe to us by following me Priyanka Komla on LinkedIn as well as our Career Startup Leadership Podcast page to receive your LinkedIn live notifications. And if you're watching this on YouTube, do hit the subscribe and the like so we get a chance to know that this episode has really enthralled you. Well, if you're asking me why, because we have an amazing guest, Siddha Ganju, who is also an AI expert, joining us from San Jose. Hi, Siddha. Welcome to the show. Hi, Priyanka. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show, Siddha. And to our listeners, why you need to watch this episode? Well, we're going to talk about the wonderful journey that Siddha has had from Shimla to Hawaii to San Jose and her love for newsmatics. News, um, newsmatics. I got it. <laughs> I just learned this word a minute ago. So we're going to learn more about her love for numismatics as well. Well, if you're curious, then you should definitely tune into this episode. Well, apart from that fun trivia, Siddha is an AI researcher who Forbes featured in the 30 under 30 list. She's also a self-driving architect at NVIDIA. As an advisor to NASA FTL, she helped build an automated meteor detection pipeline for the CAMPS project at NASA, which ended up discovering a comet. Well, Siddha is also an advocate for diversity and inclusion in technology, and she speaks at several colleges and universities to motivate and grow a new generation of technologies from all backgrounds. She's also the author of O'Reilly's Practical Deep Learning for Cloud, Mobile, and Edge book. Such interesting facts about you, Siddha. Welcome again to the show. I'm super honored to learn more about you. Thank you. And, you know, it's really surreal to be here today because I've seen all the 84 previous episodes and there's always something new to learn from each of them. So thank you for having me. Thank you, Siddha. And Siddha has been very kind to provide one free mentoring session to a lucky live listener of ours. So all you have to do, do is drop in a quick hello and the country that you're tuning in from and get a chance to win this amazing mentoring session with Siddha. I'm super excited to see who that lucky winner is going to be. Yeah, me too. All right, Siddha, before we dive deeply into AI and how we build socially responsible AI applications, which is the topic for the episode today, there's some fun facts about you which I want to unveil. So Siddha, she grew up in Simla and then moved to Hawaii. And then, as I mentioned, started exploring the story behind currency and studied a lot more about it. So tell us about this wonderful journey. Yeah, so I think I was very young, maybe around eight years of age when, you know, I first encountered a new currency other than the Indian currency. And the very first thing I noticed was, where did Gandhiji go? Like, what is happening? And I think that's when I learned that different countries have different currencies. And most countries try to put their best foot forward when it comes to printing a currency. And, you know, it's kind of like getting a tattoo because it's permanent. You can't really go back from there. And the idea is that, you know, some countries put their um, political leaders, some countries put their scientific principles or equipments. For example, the country of Canada in their um, newer banknotes, they have a depiction of the polio vaccine. 
As far as India is concerned, there is the ISRO equipment on the two rupees note. So it's really interesting to see, you know, what kind of values the country holds. And that's often what, what gets depicted on their banknotes. So I find it really interesting, you know, from an observational and a curiosity standpoint. So given your love for numismatics, do you have a favorite currency that you can share with our listeners? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I, I believe uh, the currency of Australia is very bright and colorful, if I remember it correctly. And I think that is very unique and different because especially in the older Indian currency or even in the U.S. currency, we see most of the colors are, you know, brown or green. But of course, in the newer Indian currency, you know, we have we've, pink. we've got all colors of the rainbow. And I think that's similar to uh, the currency in Australia. So, yeah, exciting money. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, given yeah. that we've spoken about currency, you know, it's, it's always interesting to learn something new. And I'm super excited. I've learned a new terminology as well as today. So yeah. thank you for that, Siddha. Yeah. So let's talk about your love for curiosity. You know, that's a mm -hmm. philosophy that you follow and that's helped you a lot. As you can see, your prolific career in the field of AI being yeah. featured in the media and the limelight. So tell us a little bit more about how did it all start on being curious from a very young age? I think my parents, my family, my grandparents, everybody always initiated that feeling of curiosity to ask questions. And, you know, growing up, we grew up before internet or before mobile phones or screens were mainstream. So that really encouraged us to, you know, go out and discover the world on our own. And I think that has helped increase or instill curiosity as a child. And I think I... I still do that. I'm not, I wouldn't say very active on social media and I'm, you know, spending most of my time outdoors and I prefer to even work outdoors. You know, I have this huge balcony area where I've got all these plants set up. And as you can imagine, um, I like walking in amidst of nature. And I think that has helped curiosity um, a lot. And apart from that, the reason why I value curiosity is because it's that opportunity of unveiling those unknown unknowns. And even though it's a very interesting and, you know, a difficult time because you feel like you don't know much, which is true because you're in the learning process, but that learning curve is actually worth the journey. And that's why I really value the curiosity component. That's very impressive. And I'm sure curiosity is a very critical component in AI. So let's Absolutely. talk about so let's talk about how do you define social responsibility in artificial intelligence because it's such a humongous field it's such a growing and exciting field to be in. Yeah. So I'm glad you asked that and let's generalize this a little bit, right? It's not just social responsibility in AI, but it could be any piece of technology and it doesn't have to be commercial, it could be non-commercial as well. And at the end of the day, AI just happens to be one of the ways that we can use to unearth the potential of what all is possible. Now, the short version of social responsibility in technology is that when we look at the product cycle, right, there is the really um, iterative development phase and then the deployment phase. Now, in the development phase, as a developer, are you asking the question that, am I developing this technology in a responsible way? And for the deployment perspective, 
Are you building technology using AI or any other you know, technology in general? Are you utilizing that to build applications for social good? And that's kind of the two themes that I see in social responsibility. And of course, you know, we can go into the longer version of how do you actually build this? That's my next question. So how yeah. do you build socially responsible AI applications, especially with high public value? Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Now, let's break it down into both these two themes, right? Let's start with developing applications for social good. Now, we live in a really interesting time, right? Because since the 1900s, we've seen the Industrial Revolution. We saw the rise of electricity. And as Andrew Ang says, AI is similar to electricity in terms of the impact or the potential impact it can have in the future. And similar to that, today we are surrounded with challenges that are worth solving, right? And again, we are just starting out. We have a long way to go. But think about how can we accelerate and sort of broaden the impact when we help um, things with high public value. For example, what can we do about climate change or can we build certain applications to help people with disabilities, right? That's where the high public value really comes in. And at the outset, a lot of these are interdisciplinary projects. So you get people who have expertise in AI, you get people who are domain scientists. So for example, who know about um, climate change and have really studied it for so, so long. And when, when this condensed work really comes together in an interdisciplinary project, that's when you get some really exciting results and the impact can be even bigger. Now, as an example to that in the a recent NeurIPS conference for uh, 2020. Happy New Year on that note, um, right? We had a workshop on climate change. And that really shows that, you know, people on both sides of the equation are asking, who can we collaborate with on the other side? And that really shows that scientific collaboration and communication has blossomed. And it's also important to remember that all this research that's happening, it's not just good on paper, it's also practically viable, right? There is a plan for deployment. And in some cases, that plan in de of deployment has already been put into action. And that's kind of, you know, pushing out the product all the way to the end. Thanks, now, for, walking coming us, thanks for walking us through the yeah. framework of it. Go yeah. ahead. So I also wanted to concentrate a little bit on the development portion, right? As a developer, are you asking the right questions um, that will ensure a good development or a responsible development of a product? Now, how do you actually do that, right? Because as humans, we are really good at being Captain Hindsight where we see things in the rear view mirror and we realize, oops, that was a mistake, right? And it clearly looks like a mistake. So. To that note, as a developer or as a project manager, we should be actively quantifying risk and making plans for failure cases. And one way to do that is to look up the AI incident database. It's known as AIID or AI incident database. And that has a 
a list of documented AI failures. And, you know, just learning about them, reading about them gives us that information on what we can do better in the future when presented with a similar problem. And I think that's kind of from a developer or a project manager standpoint, what we can do to make things better. You bring up a very good point, Siddha, because it's not just about creating creating products. It's more about asking the right ethical questions throughout that product development and implementation phase. So thanks for helping us understand, yeah, yeah. you know, the you know how the process works behind the scenes as well. On that note, I have a live listener who wants to say hello to you. We have Manpreet Budraja who's joining us from India. Oh, hi, Manpreet. Hi, Manpreet. Uh, <laughs> So Siddha, I know it's Manpreet is a common connection of ours, and she was my yes. 50th episode milestone guest. So wow, yeah. uh, it, it's always nice to spotlight young AI experts like Absolutely, Manpreet and you on yeah. the show. And she says it's and, always great hearing you, Siddha. Yeah, and you know, to this end, I really want to again share the spotlight as as you are, Priyanka, with Manpreet because you know, a recent graduate, she's been doing so much amazing work, building a community of strong and responsible AI experts and she she deserves all the applause on her own. That's awesome. Thank you, yeah. Manpreet, for sharing your thoughts as well. We have Satya K who's joining us from India. He says, hi Priyanka. Very interesting interview so far. Hi, Thank Satya. you, Satya. Thank you, Satya. All right. So Manpreet has an interesting question and yes. it's something very timely. The recent mm -hmm. privacy policies that were launched by WhatsApp. Yeah. Do you think it's ethical and how does this tie in with the importance of ethics in AI, which is what Manpreet would like to know more about? Yeah, so I think WhatsApp at its outset isn't more of an AI product, but technology in general, I think, you know, when we look at development of technology, it needs to have a user-centered design and a user-focused viewpoint at all phases of development. And privacy is such an important point that it deserves all the attention. Now, as a consumer of such a potential technology, I think we can ourselves ask us the question that this technology that I'm consuming, be it any social media application, right? The technology that I am consuming, am I okay with consuming that technology and what am I giving up in return, right? And I think that's a question that we all have to ask and answer for ourselves and, and then see where we stand on the risk and the failure cases and then take that decision for ourselves. You know, as a user, it's always challenging for us where we start using products that are easy to use, easy to connect with your family yes. and friends. Yes. And then you realize how much of information you want to give out. And that's yes. where the, the bone of contention comes in from a privacy setting yes. standpoint. And that's exactly where education of that application is really important, right? For example, if we talk about scalable infrastructure or if we talk about data sharing or encryption, right? Uh, a third party or someone who is not technically knowledgeable may not know what these terms mean. And that's why we need to quantify and convert these terms into something that's understandable, um, by citizen scientists. And in part, that's also what the um, AI incident database, uh, which is sponsored by the partnership in AI, that does. 
because it puts out these best practices and helps educate people on what what is really happening inside a certain product and i think that's where you know the education portion really comes into play education is a very critical component and the reason why i'm specifying this is my mom who's back in india connects with me on whatsapp yeah while i'm here on the other side of the world and yeah. she was the one who told me hey there is a new privacy policy you know read it before you hit that button to say that you're accepting all of that yeah. so people are becoming more aware irrespective of the the demographics or how tech savvy they are and i yes. you know i felt like oh my goodness you know everybody's on top of things like these nowadays that is exactly what happened with me as well my mom was telling me about you know this new privacy policy and i was like i have no idea what is happening so yeah um it's it takes time to educate ourselves i think but you know once once we are through that educational phase i think it's important to make that decision and and see how things change uh with that decision that's awesome so let's pivot a little bit and talk about your role as an ai advisor to nasa fdl and how the project ended up discovering a comet which sounds very fascinating yeah. so walk us through some of yeah. the experiences there <laughs> Yeah so you know being an AI researcher I do have a lot of interest in AI applications and as we talked about with that high public value and deployment component and that's really what brought me to Frontier Development Lab or FTL and it's basically an AI accelerator that combines interdisciplinary research with the Silicon Valley startup agility quick pivot you know quick failure scenarios and you know tldr we basically developed a meteor detection pipeline now you know at the outset you may be asking what is that right so let me go into the slightly deeper context so all or most space related applications or discoveries or any work that that really goes on in, in that area it's really to figure out and answer the most existential question right where did we come from now one way to accomplish that through the cams project which stands for cameras for all sky surveillance is to figure out the trajectories of the meteors so what i mean by trajectory is if we see a streak of light that belongs to a meteor in the night sky can we calculate kind of its um its path can we calculate the equation of its path and if we can do that can we also figure out where in space did it come from or what its parent body is now to figure that out is basically why the cams project started and initially the space scientist or the principal investigator behind it dr peter jeniskins he used to go out to the nearest observatory which in mountain view is known as lickmill observatory so he used to you know for an hour drive up to the observatory come back to the office spent an entire day looking through the footage of uh, of the entire night sky activity and say okay this looks like a meteor this does not look like a meteor and you can imagine this is a very manual process and it's very difficult to scale that up so using some very basic uh, computer science and ai techniques we were able to automate this entire pipeline which meant that the data collection from the camera site or from the cam site to a central office location could be automated and that in itself led to about five times increase in the camera station sites all around the world now on the ai component we were able to 
learn from the scientists' thought process and devise an algorithm that could similarly look at a streak of light and say, this is a meteor or this is not a meteor. And through this entire pipeline, you know, we had some really incredible results. Um, we were able to discover um, the first ever instrumental evidence for a comet that was previously predicted, I think about a hundred years ago, known as the Greg Mellish comet. Um, we discovered two new meteor showers and, you know, so many new things happening. And, you know, for the future, we are actually planning on expanding the CAM station in India. And we're talking to several college sites um, in India. And again, the students are really excited to be, um, you know, learning and having a hands-on experience with the data, both from an um, space component and both from an AI component as well. So really excited to be a part of this. That sounds very fascinating. Yeah. And currently, you are a self-driving architect at NVIDIA. But I understand you're also focused on healthcare-specific topics as well. So tell yes. us more about your day-to-day -day job. Yeah, so I started out as a self-driving car architect in NVIDIA. And, you know, as it sounds, it really entails being able to understand what the car is really seeing. For example, is that a traffic light? Is that a stop sign? Is that a yield sign? And once these objects are detected, how do we react to those signs or objects? And at the outset, it sounds like, okay, this seems pretty simple. You see something, you react to it. You see something, you react to it, right? But there's a lot more going on in, inside the car's brain, as you want to call it. And so that's where I would actually direct um, any interested listeners to NVIDIA Drive Labs, because that actually goes through, um, so it's a YouTube channel, NVIDIA Drive Lab, that labs that actually goes through the intricacies of how do you actually develop a path detector or how do you actually develop a pedestrian detector, right? Because there's so many small intricate components related to it that, you know, I could fill hours and hours of, of the podcast time just talking about that. But in general, we have to remember that this technology not just powers the lifestyles of today, but also of the future. And that's probably a very different perspective that, that most people are used to hearing. And one example of that is how can we help the elderly community in geofenced uh, communities with this self-driving technology? Or what is the impact of it on last mile delivery or on trucking? Or you know maybe in the Mars rover, we can use something like that. So it's very interesting to see the interplay of this technology in other and more you know, futuristic applications. And as Priyanka mentioned, I'm also very you know, topically and timely interested in healthcare and seeing how and if AI can actually make a positive impact on uh, some of the more medical and healthcare related pipelines. Um, I'm super excited to see what kind of breakthroughs can happen yeah. in that field through AI. And you, as you were talking about self-driving cars, the first thing that came to my mind as somebody who grew up in the 90s watching mm. Cartoon Network was Jetsons, you know? Oh, looking yes. At, looking at how the future would be, you, yeah. know, you know? That really opened up our perspectives on there's so much that could happen. There's, there's a lot of Absolutely, evolution yeah. happening. So what are some future AI trends that you are predicting, Siddha, be it with self-driving cars or in general, the use of AI in our everyday life? 
To be honest, I think future is truly what we make of it. You know, today we are really lucky to have these amazing tools. We have a good amount of compute available. We have data available. We have information. And I think it's really up to us to figure out how to utilize it and how to really develop great applications and sustained applications for the future. And to this end, I think there will be a lot of timely or topical um, applications that develop. Um, so as an example, NVIDIA announced something known as Maxine. Um, this was announced, I believe, in the previous GTC conference, GPU technology conference. And you know, all of us are doing video conferencing, right? For office, for schools, conferences, everything, video conferences is kind of the way to go. So NVIDIA used some really cool AI based video compression methods that really reduced the bandwidth of the internet consumption to one tenth. Now you can imagine the utility of such an amazing application, especially in you know, the pandemic times that we live in where everybody is using the internet. So I'm, I'm hoping to see you know, some topical applications like that and some really interesting use cases. You know, I know you are an advocate for diversity and inclusion, and it's, you know, I feel very honored and inspired <laughs> when I see you under the Forbes 30 under 30 list. And thank you. You act as a role model for a lot of young women, especially women of color, Asian women who feel like there's a lot that women can achieve in STEM, which, you know, is an ongoing challenge that we have in terms of building the STEM talent pipeline. So, what yeah. is one advice you would have for? young career professionals who want to be in this field of AI, especially Asians? Yeah, I think the advice is same for everybody that gets started, find projects, have that hands-on experience, because that hands-on experience is really what puts you at par with people you know, who've spent maybe 10, 20 years in the industry. And you know, a lot of times students just graduating out of college ask, you know, internships ask for experience, but how do you get that first experience? How do you get that first experience or that first internship? And that's where I always say develop hands-on projects, right? So make sure you have that theory knowledge, but also implement it into a practical project. And that's really, you know, my one go-to advice for, for um, people starting out in AI. And we have your amazing book as well. And we have a super yes. fan of yours, Manpreet herself, who says the book is oh, pretty awesome. You are a you. super inspiration to women. So tell us more about the book and what kind of insights can people get to know from the book? Yeah, so, you know, again, the book really started out as a conversation that we were having with a lot of the people that we met at conferences. and. This is kind of a shared um, experience that my co-authors and I had, that whenever we used to go to conferences, people would ask us, you know, how do you get started in AI? But the more you delve into that conversation, the more it seems that people have already started working or, you know, reading about AI. But how do you actually go from being a beginner to someone who is more experienced? So how do you gain that experience in AI? And that's exactly where you, know, you get to work on hands-on projects. And these projects are not small scale, you know, MNIST type projects. These are actually relatively large scale. So as an example, if you're developing a, 
a reverse image search engine, right? And that's something that is common in Google image search engines or IKEA or Pinterest or you know any basically any uh, website that has images. And how do you do that, right? So would you focus on improving the representative power of the embeddings, or how would you scale up the search if you had a hundred images to a million images to a billion images, right? And answering those questions and thinking about these problems is really what gives you that edge and that experience when you look at someone who, who has maybe 20, 30 years in the industry. And that's really what the book is about, right? Once you have an idea, what do you do about the incubation, the strategy? How do you take that and build it into a real life product that people in the real world can use? So that's kind of the entire ecosystem and the conversation that we try to have in the book. That's pretty impressive. And we leave a link to the book on the episode notes as well. So you can get a chance to check out some wonderful work by all these different AI experts. Now, Siddha, you've had such a fascinating life and you've achieved a lot of spotlight at a very young age. But tell me this, when you have low moments in your life, how do you Mm -hmm. handle them? And what do you say to yourself? I think low moments are a part and parcel of life. And I think that's where having friends and family in a close-knit circle really, really helps because they're always there to support and motivate you. And at these times, I often like to think of the fact of how I started in this journey and what really motivated me to start. And, you know, in the moment, it usually gives me enough energy to move forward and think think that, okay, this is just, you know, a low moment today, but tomorrow will be uh, another sunrise. That's very true. And I'm curious, how does your family see your success? Did they anticipate you to be where you are today? Well, I don't, that's a really difficult question, but I don't think, you know, anticipating success is something that's very easy to do. Um, And, you know, everybody wants their children to be successful, but they've always been proud of me and they've always motivated me to move forward and, you know, dream big and have, really audacious dreams and go after them. So I'm really thankful to them for helping me develop into, you know, such a person. That's amazing. And, you know, as we see your success, we are super excited and we wish you all the very best as you ace more milestones and continue to be a role model and a mentor for Asian people in the field of AI. Thank you. So we have a fun rapid fire round for you. Are you ready for it? Yes. So you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following in one word, if possible, Mm -hmm. role model. My parents. What does happiness mean to you? Growth. How do you define success? It would be the same, growth. What is one fun thing about Siddha, which is exclusive to our Karib Startup Leadership Podcast listeners? I think we hinted about this earlier, but I'm, you know, really interested in um, gardening and learning about soil components and the right temperature and the direction of sunlight that the plants should receive. So I spent a lot of time reading about it and am really interested in it. You know, it was kind of funny before we started the show, I was talking to Siddha when she said she's from Shimla, which is in Himachal Pradesh in the northern part of India. And I said, Shimla is famous for apples. Is that really true? Is that how people who grew up in Shimla feel? 
and she was walking me through how winter crops are grown so now i can connect the dots is that yeah how it started for you <laughs> yes actually that's true and you know the lifestyle in shimla i think is very closely associated with nature at least when i was growing up so you know everybody had that um you know even in school we were taught about how do you plant trees and everything so i think that that's something that i've taken from school growing up that's awesome yeah. and our last question to you is what is your native language and one word to describe yourself in it my native language is hindi and two words would be dhrid sankalp which mean fierce determination well that was the fiercely determined subaranju <laughs> ai expert who talks about how as women especially we need to have audacious big dreams and go after it i think that's one of the biggest takeaway especially in 2021 after we've seen this pandemic and handling a lot of low moments in our life so thank you siddha for that wonderful takeaway for all of us do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners before we wrap up the episode yeah you know i do want to share that i am a huge believer in crowdsourcing knowledge and you know that there is something to learn from everybody and that's really where i think your podcast the curry up startup leadership podcast comes into the picture because so many people at the top of their game are talking about so many things for example i would have never thought how a person who is a business person would um have to pivot during the pandemic but that's something that i learned from the rural painter episode with um anubhat its co-founder yes so you know these golden nuggets are really what keep me going with all these podcasts and i would encourage the listeners to subscribe and really you know try to imbibe all the knowledge that they receive from here and it really goes to show priyanka for yourself as well you know how you are really sharing the spotlight with someone and thank you for that thank you so much siddha i'm super honored to continue spotlighting wonderful people from the asian diaspora so we can bring the stories the trials and tribulations that make us who we are thank you awesome thank you siddha and i hope our listeners enjoyed this episode we're going to keep the live free mentoring session up for grabs so all you have to do is as you're watching this on live or on replay after the end of the episode drop in a quick hello the country that you're tuning in from and a quick question or a comment for siddha and we'll get it answered either after the episode and a quick reminder to continue following us me priyanka komla and a career startup leadership page on linkedin so if you're watching this on linkedin give us this like and a comment and if you're watching us on youtube do hit subscribe and give us a like so we understand how this podcast is helping you become a better version of yourself and to all our podcast listeners wherever you're watching this or hearing this i should say on your favorite podcast streaming platform do continue to hit subscribe and like We have an amazing episode lined up tomorrow with Sanath Ramesh who's a rare disease fighting parent trying to save his kid uh, by figuring out the latest research in the field of genetics so we have him as our special guest for tomorrow so do tune in tomorrow evening at 5 p.m. eastern well if you follow us on our channels you'll get a notification as we go live thank you so much siddha such a pleasure having you on the show and thank you manpreet thank you satya for the interesting comments and questions as well which kept the session very engaging and lively thank you priyanka and again thank you um satya and thank you manpreet for all your interesting questions awesome 
Thank you, Siddha. And to our listeners, this is your host, Priyanka Komla, signing off from your 85th episode of Career Startup Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian leaders, C-suite entrepreneurs, innovators, and allies who provide candid wisdom from the personal journey to inspire you. Until our episode tomorrow, this is Priyanka saying goodbye. Thank you.